You're listening to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb. For more teaching and resources, visit LargerStory.com. Over my years, I've seen a fair number of people who never got hold of either their red dot, never a self-awareness of where they are because of denial. We don't want to go there. We want to think better of ourselves than that. We don't want to look at our pain. We want to just stay happy with whatever superficial life we can live. I've seen a lot of people who never really looked at their red dot and a lot of people who never looked at their flash dynamics, never thought, what is really happening inside of me that requires the gospel or I'm a dead man? It's my position that you go to any good evangelical church where the gospel is preached, where the Bible is respected as it must be as the Word of God, and you will find a fair number of people sitting in that church who have never taken the time to be honest about where they are in their lives and told anybody. They've never gotten real with anybody. They've never gotten clear on what the Bible says about their real problem and what God intends for them. They've never looked at their life and said, you know, I think my sin problem is really this versus that. There's been no awareness of that. And I have seen a lot of, uh, really a lot of very, very tragic stories. It's partly an occupational hazard. I'm a counselor. Um, but I've seen a lot of people who have never gotten clear, never, never gotten clear, never gotten real, never gotten on. And yet they've maintained the facade of Christianity for 20, 30, 40 years until it all fell apart when they got older. I just don't want that to happen to you. And that's why I'm really here this morning just to add my little two cents to a lot of, a lot of dollar bills you'll be getting around this place for the next number of years, but I wanted to give you my two cents early on. Just encourage you to think in some categories that, that my experience and my knowledge of Scripture tells me is crucial for us to think in. Some categories like journeying reality, red dot, where are you right now? My friend that I mentioned yesterday that left his wife, I think I mentioned him a few months ago or maybe I mentioned this morning, I forget. A close friend of mine for 20 years, left his wife, well, it's been 10 months, I guess now. He was never honest about his red dot. In retrospect, I could see it. I couldn't see it then. When I'd be with him, I'd say things like, how's it going with, and I mentioned his wife's name, and, and once in a while he'd say, well, a few tension points, but you know, I just believe in grace, and I think we're just doing fine, and, and uh, you know, there's this particular verse really that struck me recently, and, and I remember saying to him about a year before he left his wife, I said, every time I'm with you, I feel like you put the Bible in between us. Rather than talking about your life, you bring up the Bible too quickly, and it sounds so religious, and you're such a good Bible teacher that you bring it up. I'm all excited about hearing your insights from the Scriptures, but I feel like it's in between the two of us and we never meet. And when we talk about your life at all, um, the Bible's in between us, so we never get down to where you're really screwing up, what your flesh dynamics are. You've, and it turned out that this guy has had a pornography habit for 10 years and he considers me his best friend. He never told me. And I go, this, this is spiritual deformation. And I'm vulnerable to that. I've got some tough stuff in my life. And I have one friend that knows everything. 
I will not go to my grave with a secret. Because I take this stuff too seriously because I think it really is what the Bible teaches and I don't want to mess up before I die. I don't want you to listen to me today and then a year later say, huh, so he was caught in an affair? I don't want you to hear that about me. Because I don't want to do that. But I'm capable of it. I'm capable of just getting so fed up with discouragement and other struggles in the Christian life and that I could just become very lukewarm and say to heck with the whole thing. And I don't want to do that. Let me tell you, folks, you're in a battle. You're in a war. And somebody hates you with all his heart. His name is the devil. And he's a whole lot smarter than you and me. And he's out to trip you up. When our second grandchild was born, Jake, he's now four, we had a little thing at our home where we dedicated him and prayed over him. And I began to cry looking at this little three-week-old baby. And my tears were these. I said, there is somebody that hates this beautiful, precious little kid. And this somebody is very powerful, and he's going to devote all of his resources to destroying this kid, maybe by making him religious without any relationship with Christ, maybe by making him very moral without any love for God so he becomes a Pharisee, maybe by allowing him to remain so self-centered and self-consumed and caring about nothing but his own pleasure and lack of pain, that he lives totally for himself all of his life and thinks life really is all about him. And he already has a nature within him right now as a three-year-old baby that's drawn to everything Satan teaches because he's fallen. He's sinful. Even at age three weeks, he's got a sin nature. And I'm thinking, man, this is big time. What's his journeying reality as a three-week-old kid? He's just lying there sound asleep. I have no idea what's going on. But his natural disposition is to make his life work any way he can. If God wants to help, great. If God doesn't want to help, go somewhere else. But the point is, feel good, not bad. That's life. That's, that's my little kid. That is journeying reality. And my vision for him, we all wrote vision letters for him. and put him in a box you can read when he's 12. And we all wrote vision letters for him about what we long for this kid to be like as he matures into a 4, 10, 15, 30, 60-year-old guy. I want him to know God. I want him to love the Trinity more than anything else. And I, I've got this vision for him. But there's a problem inside his soul called flesh dynamics. And sometimes when I think about all this, I just want to go to bed. Just watch another episode of Law and Order. You know, it's on 18 hours on Memorial Day. Maybe I'll just sit and watch 18 episodes. Numb my brain. You start thinking like this. You buy into what I'm teaching. If you believe this is biblical, and you start thinking like this, it's going to mess you up. And it's going to mess you up so bad that you're going to discover there's only one solution. It's the gospel. And the gospel is going to begin to mean more and more to you, not just when you die, so you'll go to heaven. That's a big deal. But right now... When Jesus says the abundant life is available to you, not the abundant life of never feeling pain or having kidney stones, not the abundant life of, of always feeling good because your friend treats you the right way or when you get married, your husband treats you the right way. That isn't the abundant life. Pagans can enjoy that. The abundant life is, 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 is knowing God so well that whatever comes into your life is an opportunity for you to relate to others like God relates among themselves. And you start thinking about that as spiritual formation, and you go, is that really possible? Well, let me tell you it is, let me tell you why. Let me tell you what the gospel is. I can find my pen. Where did I put my pen? Here it is. If this is the whole picture, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. 
But this isn't the whole picture. Spirit dynamics. Holy Spirit dynamics. There's something in your soul right now, if you know Jesus, I hope all of you do. If you don't, this doesn't apply to you. But if you know Christ, if you're a Christian, you've trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins, then that means that right now, there is a power in you that's stronger than the power of the flesh. There are forces, dynamics, that have been placed in your soul, deposited in your soul as it has been in mine, that provides you with a power that is stronger, and it's the only power that is, that's stronger than the power of the devil, stronger than the power of the world, stronger than the power of the flesh. There's a power in me that when I'm sitting with Tim Burke and feeling intimidated and threatened, it's all flesh, there's a power in me that can actually desire, not out of obligation, but out of thrill, there's a power in me that actually moved toward Tim, not to prove anything about me, but to be an encouragement to his soul. There's a power in me. The gospel means, among many other things, I'm forgiven for all this junk, but far more than forgiveness, which is foundational, far more than forgiveness, I'm empowered to, live a, to lead a very different, different kind of life. Spiritual formation is the process by which that power is identified, nourished, and released. Spiritual formation is the process by which that power that's already in your soul, that's there right now, that's stronger than all the power of the flesh, that's stronger than all your thoughts about, well, that hurt a lot, never again, that felt great, I gotta get it again. All those self-oriented things, there's a power in you that's stronger than all of that. And spiritual formation is the process by which that power is identified, nourished, and released. Any of you guys been to Promise Keepers? A couple of you have. I spoke for them a bunch of times, and about three years ago, I did four Promise Keepers. And the first one I did was at um, Washington, D.C., at some arena there. And I was the second night speaker. There was 12,000 guys there. And I was the speaker the second, or the, the second speaker the first night. And the first speaker that night was a guy, anybody here of Tony Evans? You know that name? He's a sort of a dull kind of a guy. Um, if you know him, you know it's just the exact opposite. Tony lights him up. He's an African-American preacher from Texas, and his job was to preach the gospel, the opening night of the Promise Keepers. 12,000 guys, and Tony got up, and he lit the place up. He was incredible, and he was so powerful that night that of the 12,000 guys that were there, 14,000 came forward. This is an amazing time. And I was following Tony. And after I finished my talk, my job was to introduce um, a Christian musician that might make it someday. I don't know. He's not Michael W. What is his name? And he was after me, Tony before me and Michael after me. And so I'm in the back there and 12,000 guys and Tony's got the place rocking and 
And I had a message, I've done it before, I'm used to large crowds, so I wasn't nervous about that. And I wasn't threatened by Tony, and I'm me, and he's Tony, and that's fine. And uh, my real gift is music, but nobody else agrees with that, so I don't understand why <laughs> Michael's so famous and I'm not. Um, but I was sandwiched in between Tony and Michael, and after Tony finished his thing, and all these guys were crying and getting saved, and it was just wonderful, and then the MC gets up, and in Promise Keeper style, and now we got the next speaker, you know, and all this, and Dr. Larry Crabb, and, you know, half the folks never heard of me, so it's, you know, and so I walk out, and I stand in front of 12,000 guys, and I went dead. I don't think it was nervousness or threat. I don't know what it was. I just went dead. I just felt dead inside, no power, no liveness. And I remember walking up to the podium. It's a 50-foot walk from way in the back of the platform, walking across the podium to stand in front of something like this, and stood there and looked out of the arena, 12,000 guys, and I said to myself, there's nothing I want to say to any of you. My topic was passion. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? How do you, how do you release the power? If the Holy Spirit really is inside of me, and spiritual formation depends on the power of the Spirit moving us toward the image of Christ, and if there are forces within me that are alive because of the gospel, I want to know what those forces are, and I want to know how to get them released. Let me tell you what the forces are. And let me tell you why that evening actually was used of God to bless a lot of guys. I got a lot of feedback on it. Let me tell you what the power of the gospel really can be. You can't reduce it, but let me describe it to you a little bit. It's beyond our comprehension, but let me give you a few thoughts. What's true of you if you're a Christian, what's in you by the power of God, because the, there's a dynamics inside of your soul right now that are true. The first is this. There is, a, there is a new purity within your soul. There's a new purity within your soul. At your ugliest moment, because of the gospel, without that, this isn't possible. At your ugliest moment, because of the gospel, God looks at you and actually sings. Without the gospel, he can't sing. He has to condemn. At your ugliest moment, when you're doing what you know violates the will of God, God is not pleased, don't misunderstand me, God is not saying, oh, that's just fine, have a good time. But he's saying, what you're doing is so despicable, is so awful, the only way I could handle this without sending you to hell was to kill my son, but I've done that, and now I can look at you and say, you're my kid, and I love you with all my soul. And nothing you can do can separate you from my love. He's singing over you at your worst. I remember standing before those 12,000 guys and feeling dead as a doornail and going, man, I don't like this. I wanted to feel alive. I wanted to get up here and feel the rhythm of the Spirit, and I wanted to get up there and do my PK thing, and, and I'm just, you know... It's like, well, whatever's going on in my flesh and whatever mixture of insecurity and pride and whatever else is going on, I don't know, but I'm just dead inside. But right now, God's looking down and saying, that's my kid. I'm going, me? He's going, yeah, I'm so glad you're part of my family. Why would you want somebody like me? I'm standing here for 12,000 guys feeling dead and couldn't care less about any of you. I don't care about anybody. He'd say, oh, you're a mess. You're awful. But man, I just love you so much. You're forgiven for all of that. There's a new purity in your soul. That's the first power of the gospel. Second power of the gospel is a new identity. What defines you? 
By the way, if you want a little technical phrase for this, this is my understanding of New Covenant theology. What defines you as a man or as a woman? You're not defined by the way you look. You're not defined by your gifting. Michael Card, you all know the name Michael Card, singer? He's a good friend of mine, and he's been in counseling for a number of years, and he's been very public about this, so again, I'm breaking no confidence. Mike, Mike told me about a year ago, he said, you know the major thing I learned in counseling? In my couple of years of counseling? The major thing I learned was this. My gift is not my identity. I'm not Michael Card, the songwriter and singer. I'm Michael Card, God's son. And by the way, I sing some and write some songs. Remember standing before that PK bunch and these thoughts flowing through my mind while I got about 10 seconds before I got to do something. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm really loved right now by God. These guys might wonder why I'm standing here saying nothing. They might hate my talk. Who knows? I don't know. But I'm loved by God. And, and my identity is not PK speaker. If I do really well and knock them dead, well, that's fine. I'll probably struggle with pride if I do. But if there's real power in my ministry and people really are moved toward God, I'll be thrilled about that. But even that isn't my identity. My identity is I'm, I'm God's. I'm not defined by my gift. I'm not defined by my failures. I'm not defined by my problems. I'm not defined by my history. I'm defined by my relationship with, with God. That's my new identity. And so if you don't like me, that'll be hard. And if you go to Scott after this thing is over and say, well, that was three hours of a waste of time, I'll struggle with that, and I won't enjoy your saying that, but you can't touch my identity. That's secure. You have no power over that. When our son rebelled and broke our hearts, he went in some bad directions. Remember, I think one of the most important sentences that God gave me to say to him during his rebellion was this. You have the power to keep me crying for a long time because you can break my heart. You don't have any power to destroy who I am in Christ. Because my identity is not your dad. My identity is God's kid. And I'd love to have a wonderful godly kid and I'd love to be able to go, hey, look at my kids. But my identity is not, look at my kids. That's in you. That's spirit dynamics. Third thing, there's four of them. Third thing that's true about you that's in you right now if you're a Christian, and these are the resources, folks, that if you don't use during your college career here, you're not going to end up any more spiritually formed than you are right now. You're not going to get spiritually formed by having wonderful professors. You'll have them, but they can't spiritually form you. You're not going to be spiritually formed by chapel services. You're going to have great chapel services, but they can't spiritually form you. What spiritually forms you is the miracle of the gospel in your soul that can be nourished by great profs and chapel services and retreats next weekend. And those are wonderful things, but you can resist it. And you can leave here and graduate four years from now no further along in your journey than you are now. And that'll be a tragedy because the opportunities here are incredible. But you've got to depend on the resources that God has put within you, not the resources God has put around you. First, a new purity. You're forgiven. God's singing over you all the time. If you want to know if that's biblical or not, look at Zephaniah 3.17. That's the verse for it. Zephaniah 3.17, that God is singing over, with you, over you with delight. New identity. You're his child. Third, a new appetite. Here's, a, to me, the biggest miracle of the gospel, just personally speaking. The biggest miracle of the gospel that I discover in my heart and this will sound weird to some of you. Let me just say what it is, and you can think about it. The biggest miracle of the gospel to me is I am so surprised by it every time it happens. 
It happened two days ago at a coffee shop as I was talking to this married couple that's doing so bad. And we were counseling and thinking it through and all this. And toward the end of the conversation, I said, you know, it breaks my heart to see you guys be so miserable. It breaks my heart to see your marriage be so awful. It breaks my heart seeing you being such a wimp of a man, which he was. It breaks my heart to seeing you being such a controlling freak as a woman. Um, we spoke bluntly, but it was, it just breaks my heart. But I said, I said, you know what really breaks my heart? What breaks my heart is God is not getting the pleasure out of your lives that he died to get. And I began to cry. And I was so surprised that I actually care about God's pleasure. Because what I really care about is my hot coffee. And my wife getting home in time so I have a decent meal. And her treating me a certain way that I like. And when I go to my lunch meeting here in a few minutes, having it go well. It could be a difficult lunch meeting and I really want it to go well. I want all these things, but God has put a miracle in my heart. And the miracle is not that I want to get in front of PK and do a great job. I do. But the real miracle is I really care more about God looking down at me and not only singing over with delight because I'm forgiven, but enjoying himself because I'm his kid and I'm living for him. And when I realize that I can bring him pleasure, that's what it means in the Psalms to bless the Lord, O my soul. What it means is give him a good day. Let him have some fun because of you. I have a new appetite now. I really want that. And so do you. And the last resource you have that, I'll just say it real simply, it's a new power. The power really is within you. That's within me to move towards somebody else and to care about them more than you care about yourself. The power is really in you with all your insecurities, all your difficult histories, all your happinesses and your sorrows, all your blessings and your trials. The power is really in you and it's in me. When Rachel calls and I'm trying to watch the Republican convention and I'm hungry, the power is actually in me to have the life of Christ be like a river of living water flowing out of me into somebody else. And when I stood before those PK people, this goes back a couple years, four years, I guess, and I went dead inside, I thought about this in just a few seconds. I thought about, man, God's singing over me. My identity is not PK speaker, it's God's kid. I have an, I have an appetite to bring God pleasure, and the power is there for me to do it, and I'm going to trust it. Let me talk. And I began to talk. And I gave a talk that I thought was pretty flat. And my host for the weekend, PK assigns a host to their speakers, was a guy that, after my talk, he came to me to drive Rachel and I back to our hotel, and he was in tears. And he said, Larry, God moved in my heart during your talk. I'm going to go visit my son. This guy was, I don't know, late 50s, early 60s. I'm going to visit my son who's 35, who's very wealthy, who's living for money, who has a huge home, who has nothing to do with God, and I'm going to go stay with him tonight. And my spirit toward him has been to just rebuke him and try to get him to realize money isn't everything. And he said, I have shown no grace to this young son of mine at all, and I am broken over that, and I want to be spiritually formed by giving my son a chance to know what the word grace means because I've been a pharisaical judge with him and I never saw it before until your talk. And I'm thinking, how'd that happen? And God's saying, well, obviously you don't get the credit because you were just a passionless mess up there. But because you trusted in the resources, 
I was able to use you to make something happen with this, this guy. He got me to the hotel the next morning and said, um, I, I've never felt like this with my son in my life. I sat with him and for a couple hours from midnight till two, he and his wife and I talked. They never want to talk to me. I just enjoyed them for two hours. And by two o'clock in the morning, it was time to go to bed. My son literally said to me, Dad, sometime we got to start talking about God again because I'm a little mixed up on that. What happened? Is there a God, do you think? Well, maybe. Is it possible he might move through you a little bit in the course of your life? Right, we're going to quit here in just a minute. It's about 8 till 12. We'll quit no later than 12. Would you all just you know, put your pens down and just sit back for a sec? There's a whole lot more I could say. This chart is not complete. I could talk about the fact that if you want to really recognize your flesh dynamics, you've got to learn what it means to tell your story in a safe community that understands grace. I trust you'll find that community here at CCU. Without telling your story, none of this is going to make a lot of sense. You've got to be intimate with people. I could talk about the fact that the way to release the power is a deep sense of brokenness that comes from an awareness, however, in the middle of your story, you're living out of your flesh. And in brokenness, you learn what the word repentance means. And you say, God, life is not in feeling good the way I felt when this happened, or life is not the avoidance of feeling bad the way I felt when that bad thing happened. Life is in you. That's repentance. God, I abandon myself to you. I could talk about what that means to trust God and go ahead and give your talk at PK. I could talk about the confidence that develops when you realize that God really is there in the deepest part of your soul. And out of that comes the release of all the power within you. And you become a new person. You become more fully feminine, more fully masculine. And you serve the Lord. I could talk about that at great length. I've just given you a quick sketch of a couple of basic thoughts. And I want you to do is just sit back and tune into your red dot right now. Tune into where you are at this moment. You've been with us now for about three hours. We began a little after nine. It's almost 12. Um, and I'd like you just to reflect and ask, well, what is happening in you? What, what's stirring? What thoughts are there if you were to go out now and meet a new friend that you're feeling pretty close to already and meet him for lunch and just sit by yourselves and you've both been here this morning what would you what would you say you're taking away from our couple hours this morning i just want you to give me a couple of red dot things like that a couple of you I want you to share tell me what you're thinking what's stirring in you yes ma'am darcy right feels a little more prepared maybe than when you came in prepared for marriage coming up and some other good things wonderful what else what are you thinking as you're walking out yeah
Anybody feeling a little tingle as our sister shares? You all enjoying that? What's your name? Hannah. Hannah. What a good name, right from 1 Samuel. Yeah. Anybody feel a little, I felt a little tingle as she was talking. Anybody else feel that? If you felt that, would just one person pray for her? Right now? Whoever felt a tingle, pray for this woman who says, I think maybe, just like Darcy, I think maybe I'm a little more prepared to move away from external conformity and looking good on the outside and being a little self-righteous maybe as a Pharisee to I got stuff inside of me that could be released and I could become I could become a Christian woman. I could become a person the way God designed me to be. This is a little exciting. Somebody pray for her. Who's willing to do that? I know it's tough. You pray for her. Good. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Where are you? Yeah. I just, I just I feel like I really got to know myself through this. Just kind of looking back at a lot of things I've been through, kind of a little bit more critical of Christ. It's hard to sit down sometimes and just get to know yourself and spend some time alone. You need to hear that sentence. It's hard sometimes to sit down and really know yourself. That's a much better way of putting it than I. That's my red dot stuff. You just said it better. That's really good. Appreciate that. And this morning you feel like maybe you're a little more aware of what's happening in you beyond the external stuff, nice guy and all that, but something inside that you're more aware of now. Praise the Lord. One or two more? some clear sense of where God's heading you ministry-wise, gifting-wise, calling-wise, and how to get from here to there, and how to develop into the woman that God has called you to be beneath all the ministry activities that are ahead for you, that will then allow the real energy of Christ to come out of your deeply alive feminine soul as you do your translation work, and how that journey looks like, and there's some adventure to it, and some excitement, and there is. It can be tough, but it's an adventure, and it's a good one. Appreciate that. I think you had your hand up, maybe. Yeah. Um, I took away from this a better understanding of the gospel of grace and understanding that everyone has brokenness, and it's okay. Um, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to be insecure about it because God's still love you. Yeah, how about that? 
little clear grasp of the gospel of grace that brokenness is not something to be shunned or hidden, it's something to be celebrated. This brokenness is the root to release of the spiritual life, and no matter what the mess your life might be, God's still for you and thinks it's great to have you in the family. That's the gospel. Let me pray for you as we quit. Lord, I look out on a bunch of young lives that are just starting a very significant phase of their journey. And Lord, it's just no accident that they're here at CCU. You've led them here. This is your purpose for them. You're sovereign, so there's no accidents here. Lord, I pray that each of these freshmen will maybe become a little more comfortable, not in a complacent way, but comfortable with the fact that they got a long way to go, just like I do. long way to go in spiritual formation, but you're going to get the job done. Someday you're going to hold me up and tell all the angels to take a look at the incredible grace that changed me into the image of Jesus, and I'm going to be a reason for the angels to worship you all the more. And that's going to be true of all of us who know you. But God, I'd like to be a little more like you now. Not just when I die and get glorified, but I'd like to become a little more like Jesus now. And I have a vision for myself. And I you give these students a vision for themselves as to what they can be in Christ, what, what each woman here can become as a deeply feminine reflection of the feminine side of you, God. And each guy here can get a vision for himself as to what they could become as very masculine men who reflect what's wonderfully moving and alive and strong in you. That the world might get a picture of what you're like by watching us as men and women in our friendships and our relationships, eventually in our marriages. So give these folks a vision for themselves and the courage to know themselves better where they are and to realize they've got a long way to go and Give them to recognize what the problem really is so that when they realize what the problem really is, they'll settle for no solution other than the gospel. And that Jesus Christ will mean more to them and the life of Christ that's in them will be more and more released. God, make this a very special class at CCU. Build community among these people, the community of spiritual friends. As Hannah shared, that she feels like a Pharisee. God, give her the confidence of knowing that we're not repelled by that, we're drawn by her courage and honesty. I want to gather around her and enjoy her as opposed to rebuke her and distance, her, distance ourselves from her. I pray that all this will take place in richer ways next weekend when they have an opportunity to relate and to be together. Turn this class into a community. Don't let them just be a bunch of students at a school. May they become a spiritually forming community for your glory and for your pleasure. Thanks for the chance and the privilege to speak to them all this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Larger Story Messages with Dr. Larry Crabb. To learn more, visit LargerStory.com.